0: We are in a series called Uniquely Luke. These are passages that are only in the book of Luke, stories, parables, and today we are in Luke 17, starting in verse 11. Here we go. On the way to Jerusalem, he, speaking of Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, you have something that you want to speak today. Hide me behind the cross. God, I believe the truth today not only is going to have something that will directly affect us this morning, but it, if we will grab a hold of it, it will serve us the rest of our lives. So God, please fill this place with light and chase away all darkness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message is Cultivating a Grateful heart so the first thing I want to point out in this story is these guys come and they they cry out from a distance because that was the legal law with lepers you couldn't get too close they cry out Jesus have mercy on us and Jesus doesn't say be healed he says go show yourself to the priests well that's odd you don't show yourself to the priest until you are healed. But he's saying, go do it now. This is so similar to, to uh, Elisha. Um, Naaman comes, he's from Syria, he's a foreigner, he's a general, he's really important, and he hears that there's this prophet in Israel, so he comes to Elijah's house, and because he wants to be healed of his leprosy, and Elisha does not go out, Elisha sends his servant Gehazi out, and Gehazi goes out and says, "Um, oh yeah, uh, we know who you are, dunk seven times in the Jordan River, and you will be healed, and Naaman is furious. Because he had it in his mind what this was going to look like. He is a very important man. He is a general in the Syrian army. The prophet, he said, the prophet was supposed to come out and he was supposed to call things down from heaven and I was supposed to be healed that way. And he says, and if you're going to use a river, why would you do the Jordan River? We've got rivers in Damascus that are way better than that. And so he's just in a tiff. And he's got a, his guy next to him and says, sir, can I, can I speak? If the prophet had asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. He has told you to dunk seven times in the river, and then you'll be healed. Go do it. And so he goes, he dunks seven times, and he comes up the seventh time, and he's completely healed. These 10, just do what Jesus said. Go show yourself to the priest. And as they're going... They are healed. Have you ever thought about the importance of obedience? We need provision. We need healing. We need wisdom. We need this. We need that. And we come to God, and, and God says, do this. And you're like, no, no. we, we already had in mind how it would look, God. We've already got an idea. This is what we wanted you to do. And he's saying to do this other thing that seems completely unrelated and you don't really want to do that thing and it doesn't make sense that that would be connected to that. And he can heal in whatever condition he wants to and sometimes he asks us to do something. Why? Because he wants us to participate. He wants us to step out and trust him. God, we're impressed by the miracle. God isn't. God can do miracles anytime he wants to. What God gets excited about is our participation. So he's going to ask us to do something possible. And then he's going to do the impossible. And in that connection, he wants us to come back and say thank you for what he did that we couldn't do ourselves. And that's what today's message is on. Cultivating a grateful heart. I only have two points. Point one: God's disappointment with ingratitude. He said, "We're not 10 cleansed? Was not one found other than this foreigner that would, that would come back, that would return and give thanks." He was God is looking for people. What? There's one came back. Where are the other nine? Where, where is the other nine-tenths of the human race whom God has helped and heard their cry and delivered and provided and protected and, and then they just move on to the next thing and no one comes back to say thank you except for this, this one. Did you know that God's looking? Isn't that crazy? God is looking for people. This this is 2 Chronicles 16.9. Listen to it. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. God is looking for people. God sees the hearts, and he's looking for hearts that are filled with gratitude. So years ago now, I had graduated from business my undergrad is in business from the from the University of Wisconsin and my mom uh, dad took care of all the other bills my mom was in charge of college and she worked to put us through school and so she she paid the tuition for 4 years for me to get this degree in administrative management and we paid room and board. They always wanted us to have skin in the game, but we get done with that. And I decide because somebody has offered me, I couldn't get a job in what I was looking for. And somebody offered me this investment broker job. And, but to, to do that, I'd have to get a series seven and, and that was expensive. And you had to go down and study and da, and mom says, I want to pay for that. I want to pay for that too. So I go down there, I get the Series 7, I pass the test, and then my future employer says, oh, by the way, you also need a life and health insurance license. And so I look into that. Well, that's another test. That's more money. I don't have any money. I'm explaining it to mom. I remember this as, as if it was yesterday. We're on our back porch. Mom, we're, we're chatting. Mom's always got a cigarette, and she's smoking. And um, I just remember seeing her, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm like... I'm explaining that. She says, Thomas, I want to pay for that. I want to pay for that too. And I said, mom, I, I just, I feel so guilty. And she says, don't feel guilty. Just be thankful. My mom wanted me to succeed. She was willing to sacrifice for my success And what she was looking for was not to put me in her debt where I'm just living this guilty life like I owe her something. She just wanted me to be grateful. She wanted, and I think every parent wants their child to have this gratitude. Gratitude is beautiful. It is so easy to give to a grateful person. I had an experience when I was first in ministry, this is after my time brokering, I was, we, Alice and I were down in Grand Detour, Illinois. We had two babies at the time, and I was the youth pastor of this church in Grand Detour. And we had a big event where we were going to a city that was town that was 25 miles away, And we were gonna work at their fair. We were running their hot dog stand and we were making money for our missions trip. And so all the youth gathered and I took the church van and we all went to this neighboring community. Well, after we were gone, a seventh grade girl called my wife. Alice knew her, Alice loved her. Alice was very much involved with the youth group and she said, "I, I I missed the van. Is there any way you could come and get me? She just wanted to go. She wanted to be with her friends. She wanted to be part of this. Is there any way you could come and get me? And Now, the problem was, she lived 10 miles in the wrong direction. So Alice is going to have to load up two kids. She's going to have to drive 10 miles the wrong way, and then 35 miles to get her there, and then the 25 miles back. But Alice thinks about it. She loves this girl. She loves the youth group. She can see how disappointed... I'll do it. Yes, I will do it. So Alice goes, does the whole thing, and I come up to the car. The girl gets out of the car and runs to be with her friends, and Alice is there in the car, and the, the window's rolled down. I say, I say, how are you doing? And Alice looks like she's seen a ghost. I'm like, honey, what's wrong? She said, I was happy to do this. She said, but she didn't say thank you. I don't know why, but it set me off. I just, I became enraged. I am just like, how could she not say thank you? How could she not know that my wife has gone out of her way? All all for her, just one person. She did all of this for what, and all she has to do is say thank you. Alice isn't looking for anything more than that. just the ungratefulness of it. And I just, for whatever reason, I was just wrestling with this. And I get back to the apartment. It's just me. I'm all alone. And it comes up again. And I am just, I can't believe it. The ingratitude in the last days, they're going to be ungrateful to parents. They're going to, I'm just, I'm just filled with it. And God speaks to me. And I knew, I knew, I know beyond a shadow of doubt, this was the voice of God because it absolutely cut me to the quick. Here's, here was what he said why are you so angry you do this to me all the time? And in a moment, my eyes were opened, and I look around, everything that we own has been given to us. We've got a couch that's given to us, the coffee table, the council, the dining room table, the dining room. There's nothing in this house, this apartment, that was not given to us. And I have never said thank you to God. And I, I, just, I was so deeply repentant. I literally went and laid hands on every piece of furniture and just worshiped God. <laughs> God, God, this is an amazing coffee table. I did did not deserve this coffee table. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. (gasps) A dining room chair. Thank you, Jesus. You are amazing, God. It was just this deep repentance. And all of a sudden, all judgment I had towards this little girl. From now on, she's like a saint compared to me. I'm the worst of sinners. And, and, And so cultivating... A grateful heart. Point two. See how quickly this is moving along. How do we cultivate a grateful heart? Now. Here's the twist. I've got three points. Under this second point. (laughs) So here's point one. Under how do we cultivate a grateful heart. I must reject. Entitlement. I call it the God owes me chip. Where are the other nine? We're not 10 healed. Where are the other nine? Isn't it interesting that it's the foreigner? It's the one that is the least deserving that is the most grateful. And the other nine, they're all Jewish. God's chosen people, but sometimes God's chosen people Becomes God's entitled people. Look at this scripture in Luke 7. This centurion has got a servant, a valued servant that's at the point of death. And then in verse 3 of Luke 7, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. For I myself am a man under authority, with the soldiers under me. I tell this one go, he goes; that one come, he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, "I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel than the men who had been sent." Returned to the house and found the servant well. Even in Israel. In Israel, I have found that the elders give away their theology, that we can put God in our debt, that if we, are, if we give enough or if we, if we love enough, that God now owes us. This man deserves this. He, you don't know. He deserves this. He has earned it. And that's their, that's their theology. That's that, that if you do enough, God owes you. But look at the centurion's faith. I don't deserve anything. I don't even deserve for you to come personally under my roof. There's no entitlement at all. And he says this. He's calling for him because he knows Jesus is good, and Jesus is merciful, and Jesus is powerful. And he says, I'm I'm not worthy of you coming even under my roof, but all you need to do is say the word. That's how powerful you are. Just say the word. You're higher than any sickness, any disease. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marvels. Wow. I haven't seen such great faith in all Israel. God gives on his own terms. Has anybody noticed that? My daughter, Christina, was two years old. We were at my mom and dad's and she is just barely talking, and she's got this sippy cup that she carries around with her, and I'm in the kitchen, and she lifts up that sippy cup, and she says, Daddy, give me milk. Daddy, give me milk. She's got this thing up, and she's got the most cherubic face in history. (laughs) Just this little, beautiful two-year-old. Give me milk, Daddy. Give me milk, Daddy. And I said, what do you say, sweetheart? She thinks about that, and she says this, now. (laughs) Now, as a dad, I am going to give, not on her terms, but on my terms. She's not getting that milk until she says, please. I set the rules, and until she says, please, even though I love her, even though I certainly want her to have milk, I want to meet her needs, I'm not giving it on those terms, the idea. Why? Because I don't want to spoil her. What does spoil mean? It means I don't want to spoil their character. I don't want to raise up kids that are not polite. I want them to learn how to say please and thank you and that, that, that's more important. Sometimes we are just... We got this thing with God. Now, if you love me, now, now. And God's like, I do love you, but I love you so much that I'm not concerned about the next 10 minutes. I'm concerned about your character and who you are becoming. This is who he is. He gives on his own terms. So I had an experience, January 1st, 2016, It's left a very lasting impression on me. We had just been at the One Thing conference down in Kansas City. We're staying at this hotel. Conference is over. I get up that morning. It's early in the morning. I've got my coffee. I'm down in the lobby, and I get a vision. Very quick, came across my mind's eye, but I knew exactly what it was. It was me, I was probably somewhere nine or 10 years old. I'm in my room upstairs, I'm leaning against the wall, and I'm, I'm crying. And really, I'm kind of fake crying. I, I'm, I'm, I have been disciplined by my dad, and I feel like it has been inordinate, and I want him to apologize to me. So I start crying really loud. He's downstairs watching the ball game, so I am crying, I am wailing, and I am expecting him to come up and apologize to me. Well, that apology never happened. And I realized in that moment that I had been waiting for an apology from God. We came. we came to Madison in 2007 out of obedience to God, making a sacrifice to be here, and everything went the wrong way, and people did difficult things, and, and the church kind of split, and, and I, but all that wasn't that big of a deal for me. I didn't blame God for that. People have got free wills, but um, also we had this unsold house that did not sell for six years. I fasted, I prayed, I begged. It looked like it was sold twice. And finally, after six years, it sells. So it sold in 2013. So this is three years after the fact. But this had always been a question mark with me. You know, if I can do all this for God, God certainly could sell a house for me. And I realized that I was still waiting for an apology that was never going to come. Do you know what Job was doing for 36 chapters? He was waiting for an apology. If I could just talk to God, if I could go face to face with God, this is so wrong. Everything, everything that's happening to me is so wrong. It is unjust. And if I could just tell him, he would apologize. <laughs> and when God shows up, here's what he says. This is Job 41, 11. Who has a claim against me that I must pay? The idea... That God owes you something because you've done something for Him, or you're a Christian, or you've sacrificed, or you've suffered. Suffering, suffering can create entitlement, and you, and it gets this little chip on you, folks. Here's how. Here's if God, if you and I got what God owes us, we would all go to hell. Right. That's the starting place. That's the starting place. Before you start crying out for you know, God, you owe me, you owe me. That's what we would get if we got what we deserve. God, in his mercy, sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be forgiven. Everything that comes from God is grace. It's grace. So the first response of every believer and the growing response of every believer should be a heart of gratitude, gratefulness. Everything that comes to us comes from the goodness and the generosity of God. This is what God is looking for for in us. So first I see Job, oh my, that's what Job was waiting for, an apology. Then I see, oh, this is why the older brother isn't in the party. The older brother's not in the party, he's out there pouting, and the father who loves all of his children goes out to him. But here's what he doesn't do. Apologize. (laughs) The older brother is like, here's why, here's why I need an apology. I have worked my butt off for you 24-7. I've kept all of your commands. You've never done anything for me and my friends, and I've done all this for you. You haven't done anything. This other son comes home, and you kill the vet and calf, and it's not right, and he wants an apology, and it's an apology that's never going to come. Now, here's why God can't apologize. He's perfect. Hebrews twelve says, "We do our best. Our fathers did our best. Sometimes fathers do have to apologize because they were either too legalistic or they were too licentious. Or you know, we we're doing our best to parent, but we're not doing that great of a job. But he said, but but the the author of Hebrews says, but God's not God's perfect. He's absolutely perfect in His discipline." He, th- he sees you, he sees your situation, he sees the future, he sees what you're becoming, and contemplating all of that and his wisdom and your choices and what you've done and how you're doing. And he chose this, and it's perfect. And so if you're waiting for an apology, get rid of it. Get the chip off your shoulder that God owes me because I've suffered, because I went through this, because I went through that. Get rid of it. So here's what I saw. It had nothing to do with my theology. I was a grace preacher. In my mind, I knew God didn't owe us. It wasn't my theology that he was correcting. It was my identity. It had a much deeper place in my theology was what I really lived by. You can say and sing some things, but what you live by, that's your identity. And he wanted to get entitlement out of my identity. Why? It's certainly for me, but also for you. (laughs) He knows I'm preaching to people. He knows I'm telling other people. This, This will undermine your faith. Reject entitlement to cultivate a grateful heart. Secondly, I must slow down. You know, maybe they weren't entitled. Maybe they didn't feel like God owes me this healing because I've suffered. Maybe they were genuinely grateful to God, but... Jesus did say, go show ourselves to the priests, and that's going to take some time. I mean, the priests, you got to wait in line. They have to see you, and then they have to tell you you're clean. They've got to do the test and tell you you're clean. And then after that, we can go back to our families and tell them the good news. And I mean, there's a lot on their schedule. They've been lepers for a while. They've been in a separate community for a while. They've got life is now happening. And so it's not that they're not grateful. It might just be that they didn't take time to go back and say thank you because it does take time to say thank you. Here's here's Psalm 50, verse 23. I love this verse. Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me and to the blameless, I will show my salvation. Why is thanksgiving a sacrifice? And what is the sacrifice? It's really just time, isn't it? To take time to stop and say thank you. To just stop your life and reflect and say thank you. He lost time. He, 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 everybody else was going on to the priest. He went back and just said, God, I want to just say thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thanksgiving honors God. It honors what he has done. We get graduation cards, thank you cards from graduates. We, we start getting them in June, and then some of them dribble in in July. And every one of them, every one of those cards is sincere. Pastor Tom, thank you for what you did, but Tom and Alice, thank you for the gift that you gave, thank you for the whatever it was. They're all, they're all very sincere. I have no question that these graduates are thankful for the gift they got. But I can't help thinking about the process of how those thank you notes were written. Because 99% of the time, it wasn't their idea, it was mom's. And, and it came from threats. No you, will, no, you will send those thank you notes. Yeah, we're going to go to the party. No, you're not going to the party until those thank you notes are written. Mom, I'm taking the car. Where are the keys? Uh, you're not getting those keys until those thank you notes are written. Mom, I've got to be there right now. You promise? You'll write them tomorrow. Why? Because they're 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 senior. They just graduated. They got to get on with their life. They've got things to do. They got parties to be at. They want to have fun, and they want to. This is their last chance before they go to school. They don't want to take sit down and write old people thank you notes. <laughs> it's not that they're ungrateful. It just it's, it's a sacrifice. It takes time, and and I think of the war for those that came and. You know, late July, you know, the two months mom has been harping. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, It takes time to say thank you. So September 5th, I had a dream. I have told this dream several times. I told it that morning to the staff. Then I told it to the missionaries. Then I told it at River Rising. I'm going to tell it again today. And heres You'll know why I'm telling it because it's a sermon to myself. Here's the dream. I'm driving down the highway and sirens go off and there's a police car behind me, but it's not just behind me. It's behind lots of us that have been speeding and we are all told by text to exit at at the next exit. So we all are exiting, but we're gonna see who he chooses to get to stop. Well, it's me. And I'm sitting in the car, the squad car is behind me, I can see the lights, and the officer is on his way up to me. And here are the thoughts that are filling my mind. Number one is, I'm not going faster than anyone else. I was, I, was not, I, 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 I was not going faster than anybody else. It's this, that, that he would choose me is not right because I wasn't going any faster than anyone else. Here's the second thought I have. I know that that argument doesn't work. It doesn't matter. If you're speeding, you're speeding. The idea that, officer, I wasn't going faster than somebody else, it, it, uh, I'm not comparing you to other people. I'm comparing you to the law. You were speeding. I have every right to give you a ticket. So that's what I'm contemplating. And I wake up and the Holy Spirit's there. And here's the thought I have. Cause I don't know, is this going to be a warning or a ticket? I, you know, he's, he's on his way up, but I don't know. He might have, it might be a warning and, and not a ticket. And I'm waiting. And when I wake up, I feel like the Holy Spirit says this. You, you decide whether this is going to be a warning or a ticket here's why it was so gripping. It is not an excuse that everyone in our culture is going really fast. In fact, is it's not an excuse that everyone in our Christian culture is going really fast. Going here, going there, going there. Got the phone with us. The phone is beeping, and we're looking at this, and we're with this person, but we got to get to the next person. We're with this person. Hold, hold it. Can, you, can I take I, I need to take this. Okay. And, and we're just going, 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 going. And he was saying to me, slow down. Slow down, or you're going to miss what I have for you. what I have for your church. You need to slow down. And if you don't, I love you so much that I'll give you a ticket. Now, here's the problem with God's tickets. When you get a ticket from God, you know you got a ticket from God. Do you realize that God has all power? Do you realize that in 2020, God gave the whole world a ticket? God says, uh, "You guys have all been naughty. I want you to go into your rooms by yourself." <laughs> <laughs> Who can do that? Who can say to Planet Earth, "You've been naughty. Go to your room." Yeah. Are you kidding me? You know, you know. Sometimes when I go on my walk, I go on a prayer walk every morning. I've got this little path that I do. It's really beautiful. Sometimes here's how I'll start off my walk. God, I'm so thankful we're not on lockdown. I hated lockdown. I, I'm a freedom guy. It just, everything in me just hated the lockdown, hated the masks. I, I just made it through that time, barely. God help me. So sometimes that's how I start. Point is this, I don't want a ticket. He couldn't have used a better image than a speeding ticket. Whenever I get a speeding ticket, I just beat myself up. i mean, like, this is the worst use of my money possible. This is such a waste. I did not have to have this ticket. I could have gone the speed limit. And it's, I've got no one to blame except myself. And so this, this image is very powerful for me of getting a ticket. So I want to slow down. So I told the staff that morning. Some of the extended staff, I came up to the main office, and they had made a sign from their computer, it was, a, it, was, there's, it was a car that's slipping on ice and it just says, slow down. And they put it on the back of their door so that they would see it every time they go out, slow down. I'm like, I want one of those. So they made it for me, it's now in my, I've got one of my own in my office. It's, it's every time I leave my office, slow down, slow down. What does slow down mean? It means be present when you're with people. It means be present when you're in your quiet time. It means stopping and saying thank you and stop taking people and God for granted. Just just go slower. Go slower. And I, I'm calling us, guys. I know the world's going very fast. I know that even Christians are going really, really fast. And I'm, I'm begging you, slow down. Slow down. Put the phone away. You can check it a couple times. You do not have to be in contact with the whole world all the time. The world can go without you. Slow down. Why? Because God wants to speak. The greatest fruit, the greatest power, the greatest glory we're going to see is stuff that can only happen if we slow down and are listening. If we're in that place, don't make God give you a ticket Pray that I don't get a ticket. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. So reject entitlement. I must reject entitlement. I must slow down. And then finally, I must come close. So the nine from a distance cried out to him. And then they were healed from a distance. And so they never came close. Only the one came close. And here's the reward he got for coming close. Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Nine, it's a, and it's a different word. Nine got healed, but only one got saved. The, the, the word he uses is sozo. And it includes forgiveness of sins. It's the whole thing. It's used in Luke 7.50 when he says to the woman, um, your faith has saved you. And he has just said your sins, though they are many, are forgiven. He got the whole package. Nine just got the healing. They didn't get the salvation. You got to come close to get the salvation. So this is just the human way. The human way is we use God for our own ends. We're not interested in God. We're interested in what God can do for us, which is what? Everything. So people pray prayers and cry out, I need this, I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that. And God has angels. God loves us. God sends. God protects you. He takes care of you. People that don't even know him. They don't even know, it's all anonymous giving. Well, this worked out, you know, I don't really have anybody to thank, but because God did it anonymously. God, help me, help me, help me. And then he helps you, and then it's like, oh God, help me with this now. Please help me with this. And then he helps you with that. God, I need this, I need. Do you see the unending needs of human beings? But guys, our greatest purpose of being created was not just so that we would have this transaction where God meets our needs. It was that we would know him. That he's he's wanting to show us his love and his kindness to draw us to himself so that we can experience not just provision or healing, but we can experience forgiveness and salvation and union with God. This is eternal life, John 17, 3, that they might know you, know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. The word know there is not know about, it's the word genosco. it means intimacy. This is your purpose. This is what eternal life is. It's not a quantity of life that stops, that starts when you die, I'll have eternal life. No, it starts now. It's a relationship with God. It's where He imparts His very life into your spirit by the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus died. Not just that we would be forgiven, but that we would be in union with God, that we would live our lives close to Him. Philippians 4. 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here is the secret of this passage. Whatever you're worried about, whatever situation, whether it's a, a financial, a, a physical, a future, a relationship, kids that are away from God, people that are into this, maybe your anxiety is for the world right now with who's going to send a nuclear bomb, Who's going to? what's going to happen over there. Our, whatever you're afraid about, God says, I love you so much that whatever you're concerned about, I'm concerned about. Maybe your biggest concern is your broken nail. God's like, bring it to me. If you're worried about it, bring it. Maybe it's your dog, bring it. Whatever you're worried about, bring it to me. Because I love you and because you're concerned about it, I'm concerned about it. So so bring it to me. And when you bring it to me, bring it with thanksgiving. What does that mean? That means when you bring it, You start thanking God. For what? Well, first, that there is somebody to go to. (laughs) Thank God there's somebody that cares besides you. Somebody that knows your needs. Somebody that sees you besides you. Thank you, God, that you love me so much that you want to hear what I'm worried about. What else are we thankful about? Oh, hey, you know, you delivered me out of that other situation. Did I ever even come back and say thank you? Well, you get in the mood to say thank you when you need something else to say thank you for the last thing. <laughs> oh, by the way, the last time I was in this situation, you delivered me. Have I ever said th- thank you, God? You're amazing. You're you're so wonderful. You're so good. You're so faithful. God, thank you in the Bible that you did this for other people. Thank you that this is just who you are. And And so as you start thanking God for who he is, that he's there, that he's done this before, he's done it before for you, your heart gets filled and filled and filled. And all of a sudden, what you're bringing doesn't seem quite as impossible as it used to think, as it used to feel. And so you give it to him with thanksgiving. You say, here, this is, this is yours. You take my anxieties. You take my depression. And God says, and I'll give you my peace. Now, peace is interesting. It's the word shalom. Shalom. God can't give you peace without giving you himself. This is part of the, of the divine nature. So his, that presence, that peace is his presence. And that presence, when you come close to the presence, Thanksgiving, listen to Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. This unlocks the presence of God when you start thanking him. And now you've got this guard. His presence is your guard over your heart and your. How many know we need a guard? How many know that there are arrows flying in this world that, are, that speak to you? Fear, depression, anger. They're speaking. They're all over the place. They're coming through people. They're coming through TV. They're coming through the internet. Voices, voices, voices. How many know we need a guard around us? He says, I, I want you to get into this habit of instead of worrying, I'm, I'm, I want you to get into the habit of praying and do it with thanksgiving. And there will be this exchange where I will take what's burdening you and you will get my presence. Here's what happens oftentimes. You come, you're worried about something, you go to the prayer room, you tell God everything you're worried about. I'm worried about this, worried about that, worried about the kids, worried about the money, worried about the health, worried about the future, worried about the country, worried, 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 Worried. worried. just wanted you to know, and then we leave. It's like, it's like going to the dry cleaners and telling them everything that's wrong with your suit or your dress and what you'd like them to do. And they say, okay, give it to me. And you say, oh no, this is too important. I'm gonna take it with me. So you went in, you checked in. They know all the problems, but you've still got it with you. You have to leave it there. You leave it there, they give you a little ticket. What does that ticket indicate? That means while you're living the rest of your life, they're working on your dry cleaning. Something is happening while you're not doing it. Somebody said this. It's actually a kitchen magnet. Tell God your worries. He's going to be up all night anyway. He doesn't sleep. He can work on it while you're sleeping. He is God. There's no contact he can't make for you. There's nothing he can't arrange for you. Let him have it. I believe Thanksgiving is when you release it. To come to pray and to start thanking him and start worshipping him for who he is that he's there that he loves you that he's for you and that he cares because you care. And God, you know how precious this is to me. I give it to you and he says, "All right, and here's your ticket and your ticket is my presence." So I learned this in 2008. <laughs> I I go back and look at my journals every once in a while and I was uh, so many things were wrong in my life with my family, with my finances, with our church. Was just, everything was a mess. My ministry was a mess, and I was falling into depression. And so I would go back and look at my journals in those days, and I would make lists. I would force myself to make lists of things I could be thankful for every day. Number one, God, thank you that my sins are forgiven and that I'm not going to be on this earth much longer. <laughs> Thank you that there's a heaven, this is the dress rehearsal, the real event's coming Thank you that we're not going to be here much longer Praise you God, thank you for that Lord, thank you that my knees aren't in pain today Thank you for my wife, thank you for uh, that we've got food Thank you that we still have shelter, thank you Then I started reading books of martyrs and I would. Then I had another perk. I thank you that we're not being killed. We're not being chased down. We get to meet publicly. There's, there's so many things to be thankful for. It's, it's amazing. How many? And here's the secret I learned. Depression and anxiety cannot share the same space as Thanksgiving. It, it's stunning. You start thanking God. And you start sincerely just thanking him, even though you're forcing yourself to do it, just kind of like the mom forcing the thank you note. And all of a sudden, you really are thankful. (laughs) This is real. And all of a sudden, that depression and anxiety leaves. And I have his presence for what? One day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has trouble of its own. I'm going to just give you the ticket. You just, I'll carry. Yeah, I know about the church, I know about the family. I know about the unsold house. I'll carry all that. You carry me. So if while I was preaching, you realized that you have been using God, that God, it's just been, you need him, and so you have been trying to use him, but you have never come close. You've never answered the call to be saved. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. It says in John one twelve that to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. If you've never done that, if you've never come close. You have been using God, and today you just want to say, God, forgive me for that. I want to come close. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive my sins and save me. If that is you, every head bowed, every eye closed, because this is deeply personal between you and God, the reason why I have people raise their hands is because somebody helped me open my door, and I like to help others open their door. So if that's you, Jesus is knocking, even though I'm the one speaking, something else is happening. Jesus is knocking, and you want to respond to him by opening your heart. Would you just raise your hand real high right now? Long enough for me to see it. All right. There's probably 30 hands up. I'm not going to go through and say this one, this one, this one. Just keep, just take the hand that you've got. And if anybody wants to join them right now, it's not, yeah, gotcha. It's not too late. If you want to join these, just raise your hand right now. I got gotcha you in the way back of the, the balcony. Take the hand that's up and just put it over your heart right now. Pray something like this. This is how powerful salvation is. Jesus did all the work. Lord, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for loving me like no one else has loved me. God, forgive me for not saying thank you for all the times you anonymously took care of me. I see it now. It was all you. Thank you, God. And today, God, I want to come close. I don't want to use you. I want to be in this union with you. I'm opening my door by faith right now. Jesus, come in and save me. Wash away my sins. I receive by faith right now your gift of eternal life. Thank you for hearing this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Could we all stand, please? Now, in the first service, we had time to start the song, and then I came up into the prayer. We don't have time for that. We'll, we'll still do the song, but it will be after dismissal, because here's the second call. If you are a believer, even if you just became a believer, would you just mind opening your hands like this right now? Now, I, I want you to take this is the most practical prayer you've ever prayed. I want you to think about what you're worried about and what you're depressed about. And maybe it's a list. And I want you to put them all in your hands and I want you to offer them to God right now. And Father, we just say thank you that you know. Thank you, God, that I don't know, but you know every single anxiety, every single pain, every single unpaid bill. You know it right now. And God, we want to thank you that you're a great provider. You're a great healer. You're a great reconciler. God, we thank you that you have all means at your own disposal. Lord, you can stop the war in the Middle East in one minute. You are God. There's no one like you. Thank you that you are not just the God, but you are my God. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for caring about my life. Thank you for caring about my future. God, I give you every anxiety, everything I've been depressed about, and I say thank you for who you are. Thank you that you brought me to this place. Thank you that you brought me along. I could have died. I could have been in accidents. I could have, a thousand things could have happened that I wouldn't be here, but I'm here, and it's because of you. Thank you. Thank you that I'm still in church. Thank you that I'm in a place that is, the gospel is being preached. You get the credit for that, Lord. Thank you. Now, God, you know what I'm worried about. Would you take that now? Thank you that you're a faithful God. Thank you that even though this is is so important, it's so important to me that I'm gonna leave it at the dry cleaners. I'm gonna leave it with the expert so that I can sleep at night because somebody else is doing the work on my life for me. Lord, you're so good. And I just wanna say thank you for taking every worry and every discouragement and every depression. I give it to you now. Father, would you just drop in this place the ticket of your peace? Would Would the shalom of God increase over every heart and over every mind? Lord, there's a war going on out there, and we don't dare leave here without being covered by your presence, protected by your presence. And Father, thank you that if later today uh, an arrow gets through the shield and we become anxious again, that we can do this all over again. God, thank you. Here's the anxiety. Thank you for who you are. I receive the ticket again. Because God, we, we want to carry that shalom into this world because there's lots of people that don't have this connection. But they're connected to us, but they're not connected to you yet. And they need to see the peace of God in us. So Lord, Fill us and then overfill us as we go from this place today. We give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo! All right, guys, we're going to have prayer teams down at the front if you'd like more prayer. Otherwise, have a great day. God bless you. Come on.